Hey gang, Tom Mullen here. Do you have a child who spends more time than you'd like in front of screens consuming low quality content? Well, you can turn that screen time into something fun and worthwhile. I'm talking about mini coders, an educational game based platform including companion apps made for kids with video tutorials, virtual assistant, and games where kids learn coding skills while they play in the Roblox metaverse, all under the safety and guidance of a virtual assistant and in-game tutors. MiniCoders is perfect for homeschooled, unschooled, or traditionally schooled children alike and helps them build 21st century skills and have a ball doing so. Right now, you can try out MiniCoders with no obligation by registering for a free trial at TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash MiniCoders. That's M-I-N-I-C-O-D-E-R-S. Again, just visit TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash MiniCoders and start your free trial today. Every revolution starts in the minds of the people. Arm yourself for the war of ideas. Take back your life. Take back your liberty. Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Today, my guest is Pete Quinones. Pete has hosted his podcast, The Pete Quinones Show, since July 2017. It was formerly titled Free Man Beyond the Wall and has concentrated on topics pertaining to liberation from tyrannical government. He is an executive producer and writer of the documentary, The Monopoly on Violence, which can be viewed on Amazon Prime. And his current focus is building strong local communities with the intention of mitigating state and federal overreach. So we've got a lot to talk about with Pete. Pete, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for asking me to. I think in order to talk about the things that I invited you here to talk about, it would be good if you could give the listeners an overview of where your political views have been, maybe starting in the mid-2000s, and where they've evolved to as of today. Sure. In 2000, I voted for George Bush. I didn't want another four years of Clinton. 9-11 happened, freaked everyone out. I knew something had to be done, but I also... I knew the Afghanistan invasion probably wouldn't accomplish anything unless they killed bin Laden and he was actually there and they let him get away. When the run-up to Iraq started happening, the Iraq war, I recognized even before I really was into politics at all, read anything of significance on political theory, I recognized that it was propaganda, that these were lies. But I was still caught up in that mindset, that cognitive dissonance of how do I, how how am I against the war? If I, I, if I'm against the war, that means I hate the troops and I want the troops to lose and everything like that. And it was 2007, 2007 rolls around and I'm still like, what the hell is going on? I don't know. I just don't know how to take this political, what to make of this political landscape of what's going on. And I saw Ron Paul, you know, tell Rudy Giuliani, hey, these Muslims don't want us dead because of their ideology. They want us dead because we've been dropping bombs on them for, you know, for 50 years. And I was like, oh, yeah, a buddy of mine tried to tell me that right after 
And I was like, cause I didn't, no one wanted to hear it after no one wanted to hear a, a clear voice after nine 11, they wanted to hear blood people, people who are only preaching, you know, for blood. And I just went down a rabbit hole looking into the foreign policy of the United States, went back all the way to the progressive era. And I was like, Holy crap. They want to, they want to rule the world, you know? And I'm like, maybe it'd be nice if we could export some like liberty to the rest of the world. But the fact that they want to export like control, they want to control the whole world. I wasn't about that. So started reading libertarian literature, literature dropped out and just basically didn't really like hang out in any libertarian groups or anything for about five years. And when the, when the 2016 election happened, it was such a clown show. I was like, all right, I'm going to start commenting on this with my maiden 2008 Twitter account. And I just started posting memes, doing stuff like that. Got a following pretty quick. 2017, I started the podcast, Free Man Beyond the Wall. Beginning of this year, I had planned to change the name of it. My name has become a lot of people just I, I listen to other podcasts and people say Pete said and everything. So it's like, okay, I got a brand. Let's do, you know, let's do this. Let's put my name out there, put my name on it. COVID changed everything for me up until the point right before COVID, I was really starting to question, all right, libertarianism is supposed to be the greatest political ideology of all time. How come it doesn't work in practice? And so I started going down a rabbit hole and started reading people who were intelligent and critical of libertarianism, especially people who used to be libertarians. So, you know, I found Mencius Mulbug, Curtis Yarvin, started reading him and just went down the rabbit hole of the um, neo-reactionaries, started looking at Thomas Carlyle, people who were critical of the Enlightenment, which is like a sin. And I just came to the conclusion that libertarianism has some great ideas, but in order to implement the good ideas, you'd have to have power and you'd have to seize power and use it. And libertarianism has been basically has taught for a long time that power is immoral. And, you know, that's why like the libertarian party to me shouldn't exist. There's no reason for it to exist. If you're not, if you're against political power, using power against your enemies, I mean, basically what politics is, is rewarding your friends and punishing your enemies. If you're not willing to do that, you're not playing politics. You're not doing politics correctly. So I started just drifting away. There are a lot of libertarian ideals. I think like the non-aggression principle, which is basically the, you know, like do unto others as you have been doing to you. I think that's great for your personal life with you and your neighbor. Politically, that doesn't make any sense to me. It sounds like suicide. And because those people are not averse to doing violence against you and grabbing power to control you. And yeah, I just started drifting away and started reading more of the post-liberals, Patrick J. Deneen, people like that, Adrian Vermeule, people who are like, well, this whole democracy thing, this whole liberalism thing, even the classical liberalism thing has brought us to the point where basically in like 48 states right now, the age at which you can start grooming children for homosexuality and transgenderism is zero. And then there's two states, Alabama and Florida, where it's eight years old. Okay. Well, I mean, something has to be done. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's just, it's ridiculous that we're at this point. If, 
Yeah, I did an episode recently with Aaron McIntyre, who was just on Tim Pool last night, made some great points on Tim Pool, got some good nuggets out there. We did an episode called The Straight Line from the Enlightenment to Drag Queen Story Hour. And the whole thing is, is that if the enlighten, if enlightenment ideas and live and let live brings you to Drag Queen Story Hour, maybe you might want to rethink your the ideology that all of this is supposed to be based upon. Let me throw something out there and see what you think of this. When you say that libertarianism doesn't work, we could all say, well, there's never been real libertarianism. <laughs> but let's just say that in the 19th century in America, starting with at least 1800, when Thomas Jefferson proclaimed during his first inaugural that the purpose of the government was to keep us from harming each other and otherwise leave us free. But contained in that statement, it is okay to use force against those who harm you. And not that we had some kind of libertopia paradise for the 19th century, but that was the underlying principle. At least people thought they were going for that. And at the turn of the 20th century, Woodrow Wilson literally called that out and said, we used to say that the government shouldn't interfere with people unless they harm somebody else. And that doesn't work anymore. So is not the kind of ridiculous place that we've gone to today, more a product of the progressive area that rejected the libertarian principle rather than libertarian principles themselves. You said that Thomas Jefferson, 1800, he made that quote. Yeah. 1812, we had a banker's war. War of 1812 was a banker's war. Why are there bankers war? Because there's oligarchs, because there's elites. You're always going to have elites. You're always going to have oligarchs. It's just a matter of what kind of elites you have. What do they believe? Do they believe that? You know, Pareto has written on this extensively. You always have elites. One of the reasons why we have a problem today, biggest problem today is we have an, because of central banking, we have an overabundance of elites. And whenever you have an overabundance of something, it tends to degrade the quality of them. And the ones who seem to get to be in charge are you know, some kind of weird inbred, psychotic, psychopathic kind of top-down top control. Patrick Newman has recently released a book with the Mises Institute, Cronyism in America. He starts in the 1600s. Yeah. So this idea that we that it was, yeah, the downfall, well, the downfall was, was Lincoln. I mean, basically a bunch of states said, hey, it's a really libertarian thing if we would just, we can leave. Yeah. We can do what we want. We could still trade. We could still be friendly, but we're going to leave. Freedom of association. That was stopped. Some people could go back to the Spanish-American War. Some people can go all the way back. I don't think there was ever libertarianism because the Constitution itself was a coup against the libertarian document, the Articles of Confederation. Read the Articles of Confederation. That was more along the lines of what libertarianism would look like in practice. And so we had libertarianism for about six or seven years. And then the Constitution came in. The Constitution basically rewrote everything and centralized the government and gave us taxation, made it okay, and didn't even say that how, how much they could limit it, and basically created monopoly. Where, And it also gave you a document where 
the government was going to tell you what it meant. So here's the Constitution, which reads very plainly. But we also have the Supreme Court up here now. That Supreme Court is going to tell you what it means. I mean, there's nothing libertarian. There's nothing libertarian about that. That sounds like a coup. That sounds like a bunch of people in power got together and said, I mean, we know that it was a coup because they met in secret when they went to Philadelphia. (laughs) They went to Philadelphia to amend the Articles of Confederation. They locked the doors, ripped up the Articles of Confederation and started writing a constitution. And how do we know? Another way we know it is because they had to go back and have constitutional conventions in their own states to convince the people that this was going to be better than the Articles of Confederation. It's been a coup since the start. It wasn't libertarian. There was no, I think the Articles of Confederation was, was a, a liberty. I think the Articles, Articles of Confederation was the closest thing I've ever seen to a libertarian document in practice. But the Constitution is one of the reasons why we have it now. Yeah. My first article for Lou Rockwell back in, I guess it was 2008 or nine, was called the 18th Century Patriot Act. And that was about the concept of saying a lot of the same things, you know, all in secret, hurry up, we got to do it. It's going to be a disaster. You know, they use fear. And Jefferson said that Jefferson at that point was a politician. Okay. So he was also what he was going to do the Louisiana purchase soon after you read the declaration of independence, you know, they don't believe everything that's in there that they wrote in the declaration of independence, although it's a great, a much better document than the constitution. And that's the founding document as far as I'm concerned. And then you you hear what comes out of their mouths, but then you look at what they do. It's no different. I mean, it's the same thing we see today. The same thing we see with every world leader today, every world leader. So describe how you're looking at the world today. I guess what's on my mind would be that I have a sense that you do believe in private property, mm-hmm. self-ownership, some of those principles. You just don't mm-hmm. think you have a different idea of how to get there. So how do you think we should get there? What's the best way to defend self-ownership and private property? At this point, really the only thing, the federal government is, think about it. If you wanted to take down the federal government, how would you do it? Most snakes have a head and you cut the head off and everything's good. And you could get rid of everyone. I mean, you could get rid of all 535 people in DC. I'm not saying I want to. I'm not threatening anyone, but I'm saying you could get rid of all 535 um, legislators. You mean vote them out. <laughs> you could get rid of the, the president and you can get rid of the vice president. You can get rid of the Supreme Court. Do you really think that this is going to stop? There's no head to the snake. Those people are just up there doing the bidding of somebody else. We know this. We know that there are people behind the scenes who pull. I mean, the Sacklers have more power, had more power. They still have a lot of power, but the Sacklers at one time, I would say five or six years ago, had more power than anyone in the government. They could probably raise their own army if they wanted to. We know Pepsi did that in the 90s. They bought Soviet submarine. They bought Soviet military equipment. Pepsi had the fourth biggest army in the the fourth biggest. I forget what what it is. like cash of weapons. And like at one point, look that up. That's actually true. And. So how do you just, you can't destroy that. All you can do is build something different. And I honestly believe that at this point, there's a couple of ways. First, you have to, probably the easiest way to mitigate what's going on is you have to make yourself impenetrable. And the best way to do that is to acquire wealth. 
So you know, a lot of people will say, well, I mean, it seems imminent, you know, like two years or a year or something like that. I mean, I can't build wealth in a year or anything. Wealth just wealth really just means that you don't have to rely on somebody else. You don't have to rely on another corporation or anything like that. It doesn't have to mean a million dollars in the bank, something like that. So I would work on that. But also I think Hans Hermann Hoppe, the, I think the only libertarian figure, writer, philosopher right now that makes sense to me as far as like having a a grand strategy, being able to look at the chessboard and see exactly what's going on, looking at culture and seeing exactly what's going on. Because many libertarians just eschew culture and to their own detriment. I think it's to build locally. I've been saying this and it's, I'm very, family is very important to me. Culture is very important to me. But I think if you're in a city, a big city. I lived in Atlanta for, I grew up in New York City. I lived in Atlanta for 17 years. And I just tell people, get the hell out of cities right now. Get as far away from them as possible. They are just breeding grounds for the worst of the worst politicians. And then it's just not, people change when they go to city. People in cities are just, anyone who's ever gone to New York City, just come on think about it these people if you grew up in a small town and you go to new york city you're like wow these people aren't like me i used to love new york city when i was uh, in my 20s because i used to have to go down there and work a couple of days a week i'm out in western new york in the rural part of niagara county it's funny because people hear that i'm in new york and they just think oh you know city yeah and they think they think the city and they think democrat liberal but i mean you could drive for a half hour in any direction from my house and that's all you see is Trump signs during the last election. But yeah, upstate New York is completely different than the city. Once but you... the city of Buffalo, you might as well be in Manhattan. Syracuse as well. Yeah. Well, I, let me just say that Hans Hermann Hoppe, and I'll give a real quick pitch on this. Get out of cities, move to the smallest town you can stand to live in and get politically active. Read Hans Hermann Hoppe's What Must Be Done. Mises Institute has it for free. It's online for free. Somebody recently, Skeptical Waves recently, the YouTube channel did an audio version of it. He basically lays out what I think is the, when I take into consideration the size and scope of this government, is really the only way to achieve even close to what libertarians would like to achieve. You know, taking into consideration like Murray Rothbard's For a New Liberty and what that, what he, the kind of picture he paints. I think Hoppe's What Must Be Done is really the the answer at this point, besides making yourself making yourself bulletproof from the system as much as you can. I mean, they can always show up at Waco U or Ruby Ridge U, but you know, if that's gonna happen, you <laughs> you're not really worried about local politics at that point unless unless you have the local sheriff on your side. And the local sheriff says, No, we are not going to let you in here. We are not going to help you. And that's another thing that I've talked a lot about in conjunction with Hans Hermann Hoppe's What Must Be Done. Let's take a short break for this important message. Friends, if you like to read books as much as I do, there comes a time when you realize you just won't ever find the time to read every book you're interested in. Well, I have great news. Blinkist offers the key ideas from nonfiction bestsellers in as little as 15 minutes. 
For most books and their extensive library, you can choose to read or listen to Blinks, which summarize the main ideas and allow you to absorb whole books in the time it takes to run your daily errands or commute to work. Not only does Blinkist allow you to glean the information you need from books you don't have time to read, it helps you to decide which ones to spend time reading and get more details. You can try out Blinkist for free and get 20% off your first year by going to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. That's TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash Blinkist. Start your free trial and get 20% off today. And now let's get back to the show. You work on the answer, then you quietly save the day. You were right, Mr. Spock, about everything you said. We humans just are logical, too crazy in the head. I think a way to summarize that is if you can't have anarcho-capitalism like Murray Rothbard described, you can at least have the political units be so small, local, and ideologically homogenous that you'll have peace. You will have peace locally, and you can kind of live and let live locality to locality. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. It's funny because the way this conversation started, that was the idea behind the articles, and that was the idea behind the Constitution. And they said, look, you know, the states will still be sovereign. We wrote it down. Look, it didn't work out that way. So in those localities, and this is where I was really starting to go, but I'm glad the conversation went where it did. I'm thinking of a place like Florida, where they've treated COVID and several other issues now differently than perhaps, you know, most of the states or in New York or most of the liberal states. So where do you come down on something like vaccine passports? On one hand, you take the libertarian argument and just say private property, that's up to every property owner, you can require vaccines, you could not require it, shouldn't be mandated, shouldn't be prohibited. What do you say to that? Because something's a private company, does that mean that they can't violate your rights? Well, I think that the argument would be, no, it's not a violation of my rights, or let me turn it around. It's not a violation of your rights for me to say that to come in my house, you've got to have a vaccine. Now you can say, okay, well, don't plan on seeing me, <laughs> but I do own this place and I can make any rules I want. I can make people wear pink shirts. I can make people. Those companies have already jumped into bed with the government. I'm sorry. You're basically giving up your, your individual rights by getting your limited liability, things like that, as far as I'm concerned. Corporations. I mean, so then we have to go into this whole thing of, well, I mean, do you think that Pfizer should? Does Pfizer have rights? Would it, would it be wrong for, say, Pfizer's headquarters where it was in Florida? I mean, is Pfizer a private company too, considering they make, they're making billions of dollars off of government mandates? Well, I don't agree with government mandates, of course, but the shareholders of Pfizer are individuals with as many property rights as I have. And let's just say, how about Joe's Bar? Can Joe's Bar require vaccine passports? Are they registered with the government? Well, I'm sure that they're an LLC or something. Then they're subject to government regulation. I'm not for government regulations, but if you start a business, you are now in business with the government. You have to follow health policies. You have to follow all the everything they want. Sorry. 
you jumped into bed with the devil. You made your bed. Now lie in it. So how do we ever get to a point where property rights can be enforced if there's no other way to run a business? And of course, you could start a sole proprietorship and somebody could sue you and take everything that you have based on the government enforcing some ridiculous runaway verdict. I think that's the reason most people incorporate is to get that liability away from something the state would do to them. So it is kind of a conundrum. It's like, well, okay, if somebody wanted to start a business that wherein they could enforce their property rights, how do they do it? Or you're saying they can't do it in the system we have. Can't do it in the system we have. It's impossible. I mean, I'm not saying that it's not libertarian. That's right. Libertarianism is literally living in fantasy land. I mean, we have a government. We have a state. People have decided if you want to start a business, you have to register it with the state. As soon as you register it with the state, you have to follow every rule that they. I know for a fact that in a free market, if somebody, if some restaurant had an unbelievably disgusting bathroom, that people would decide, you know, well, I'm going to go across town where they have a really nice bathroom. And I know that OSHA and companies like that are have regulations where they have to keep that bathroom at a certain cleanliness and things like that. But this is the world we live in right now. Okay. The argument can be made when you say that you're saying that really you're now you're down the slippery slope of, okay, well, DeSantis should be removed from office because he didn't shut down for COVID. It's a public health crisis. He could have killed everyone. DeSantis was the only one who like decided, okay, well, tourism is what keep is what Florida is all about. If we don't have tourism, we're going to shut, we're going to die. And he decided to keep it open and everything. Part of that was his banning vaccine passports, banning. I mean, do you, I mean, do you think that if a private school wanted to teach gay sex in Florida to a kindergartner, that the government shouldn't have anything to say about it? That, that, that DeSantis, stepping in and saying you can't do that do you think that's isn't the government isn't wasn't the whole point of that constitution thing that the government was supposed to protect our right yeah yeah well that's what they told us okay so so now we have a governor who is seeking to protect the rights of individuals against some tyrannical companies disney is its own government They don't even answer. They have like their own police force. They're their own government in the middle of Florida. And they've done that by paying off every. I I used to live in Florida. I lived in Florida for 20 years. There's a reason we call it the rat. Okay. We don't call it the mouse. We call it the rat. People from there. They're woke capitalism, all this stuff. They bought into it and they push it and everything. I I mean, come on. This. When we get to when you get to Ancapistan, you can start living by the nap. You can start saying it's a private company, bro. Until we get there. Sorry. It's just you're living in fantasy land. I was going to say, I'm glad you brought up Disney because that's what I have written down here. And I have in quotes, semi-autonomous. Now, I got to say, I remember back in maybe around the same time you were talking late 2000s, libertarians were saying this is great. They're running their own little community there by their own rules. All the roads are much better than ours out here in Governmentville. The air is clean. There's no violence. There's no crime. 
own police force. They have their own police force and everything. I made the arguments too. So what's wrong with that now? Why is that not kind of the Hoppian semi-autonomous closed community? What's wrong with that? Once you understand exactly what the rat can do and the power that they have and the amount of politicians that they own in Florida, and they're one of the companies that started all of this. Like they're one of the first ones, like the woke capitalism companies. I mean, they're, they're vile. I mean, and they're the fact that, okay, so DeSantis says, starts coming out with this, don't say gay bill. Okay. First of all, it has to do with schools. Disney is a school. As a matter of fact, a buddy of mine put a great poll on Twitter the other day. Greg said, what would you rather control your state government or Disney Pixar? I'd rather control Disney Pixar. Because Disney Pixar changes culture by what they put out. When they put out, when they change the old movies to put, so now this character's a girl and they can do all this, they can push all the transgender stuff out into the, yeah, I'd rather have Disney. Disney has more power than the state, than the state of Florida, in that they can basically brainwash people. I have to say that I've seen a change over the course of my life. I went to Disney World when I think it was about two years old, 1972 (laughs) or three. And then I didn't have my daughter until I just turned 40 when she was born. So, and then of course, that's when we turn on the Disney channel and see what they're putting out. And, And even when she was born 16 years ago, it was nothing like it is today. So you could see that there has been a huge cultural shift over the course of my life and even over the course of my daughter's life of 16 years and where they're going. So that's a point well taken. And I think to me, the Libertarian Party, I don't know what they're saying about the, the bill that you brought up. I don't see that that's a libertarian issue because number one, kids are forced to go to school under the edict of the state. If you don't go, then they're going to come take your kids away and put them in school. They have no choice. They can go to a private school. They can go to a public school. They have to go unless you homeschool, which is what we do. But then you still have to report to the state. And then once they're there, they're in the complete control of these teachers. So you've wrestled them away from their parents. And no, I don't think that's a free speech issue for the teacher. And I do think that since we don't have the choice to just not send them at all, I don't think it violates any libertarian principle to say, no, we don't like that rule and we're going to use the system to get rid of it, you know? Well, then the same thing with vax mandates, same thing with, you know, I mean, I'm sorry. It's just, it's not, but I want to bring this up about homeschooling. I do encourage anyone and everyone to homeschool, but I also know everyone's not going to do it. It's going to be a fraction. I mean, it'll be hopefully get to five or 10% at some point, but I think it's under 5% now. Okay. So that means that 95% of the other kids are going to grow up to be good little soldiers for the woke army, progressivism for the state. And so, you know, one of the problems I've had with libertarians are, is they say, well, just homeschool. And I'm like, yeah, problem doesn't stop there. Those kids are being trained for later in life. And while you're homeschooling, what you're doing is you're teaching your kid that, you know, the reason you're home is because the government doesn't know how to, the government's bad, basically. So they grow up and they're like, huh, government's bad. Probably means political power is bad. So I'm going to stay away from that. The other 95% of the kids are not learning that. They're being brought up. They're going to enslave 
your child later in life. So homeschool on the local level, get elected to the school board, get people elected to the school board, change your schools. There has to be these schools. They're not going away. I'm sorry, libertarians. They're just not going away. (laughs) Change the schools. Get in there, change the curriculum, and you you have to do something because 95% against 5%, and those 5% are being raised to be like, oh, well, political power. I don't know. That's, that, that's a violation of the NAP. I don't know. You're, you're basically, unless those schools get changed, the future is really bleak because it's only getting worse. You can pass all the laws you want to. These teachers are still going to figure out a way to indoctrinate these kids. First thing you do is you fire all the, you get in charge and you fire all those teachers. I don't care what it takes to do. I don't care how much unemployment you have to pay. Fire them all. Get rid of them and replace them with people who share your ideology. There's no reason that you should have these progressive activists in there who want to tell kids. I mean, When I heard that, when I saw this video of this male kindergarten teacher, gay male kindergarten teacher complaining that he can't tell his students about, you know, his partner and them paddle boarding on the weekend and everything. It's like, I didn't even know, like, if I found out the first name of one of my teachers when I was growing up, that was kind of shocking. I don't think I had a male teacher until I was in middle school. I remember teachers got married. There was a a couple of the teachers got married when we were in middle school. We were all freaked out because we didn't know that they were dating. But now you have a male kindergarten teacher. I don't care if he's straight or gay. I'm sorry. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I'll give you um, a, uh, a confirmation on how bleak things are, but a few green shoots that we can end on. Because I, I don't know if I'm with you on everything that you've said as far as, as how you come down on these issues. But one thing you're definitely right about is that even homeschooling does not keep the woke out because they get it from social media. But on the other hand, the whole idea of acquiring power locally, there's one way to look at it is, well, that's hopeless because the feds have too much power to crush everything. Not really. I mean, if you look at New York where I live, and by the way, I lived in Florida for 10 years too, the rat. So, but the eight counties of Western New York, the one that Buffalo's in, the biggest city out here is blue. And then all the other seven are red. And that doesn't mean that they're free, but they are freer. And just as an example, my county, Niagara, when they put the mask mandate back into place the second time, said, we're just not going to enforce this. And it wasn't a secret. They put it right up on their website. And then right after that, all six of the other seven counties besides Erie did that. And you make a great point. Who's really in charge? Who's going to take me off to jail if I don't live in the city where the city police are? The sheriff. And the sheriff doesn't have a boss. He's elected. So those are all some things that people should think about. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I would also say that if we constructed smaller communities, as you described, that would be more libertarian, even if you don't want to use the word. Sure. Oh, I have no problem with it. I have no problem with it. You know, I've said recently, um, maybe last night, I don't know, on my live stream that I forget who I was talking to. But if you're going through the United States, say you're out in the what the coastal elites call flyover country and you come to a, a town and you're like, wow. 
there's a lot of freedom here. This is very libertarian. The people in that town, for the most part, probably aren't going to know what the term libertarian even really what it means. They're not going to think it's libertarian. I think it's all about culture. I think it's all about what people like people's values. And honestly, they're the, the overwhelming majority of people that I've met who call themselves libertarians, I don't want them living in my covenant community <laughs> because they're basically just libertines who were attracted to libertarianism because libertarianism is, hey, live and let live as long as you, you know, as, shoot, as, lo- as long as those, the heroin junkies, you know, living on your street, you know, shooting up on your street aren't hurting you. It's fine. It's perfectly fine. I mean, it's public property. They should be allowed to be there. I mean, literally, that's are people who will make that argument. They're very loud on social media, and people see that, and they're like, well, that's what libertarianism is. To me, the only, like I said, the only libertarianism at this point in history, and probably the only in any time in history that makes sense, is what Hans Hermann Hoppe talks about, because he talks about, he puts culture first, and he talks about homogenous societies, people who either believe the same thing or from the same place. And, you know, and it's just look at New York city, New York city at one point was like, you had German blocks and Chinese blocks. And you had all these people who were in this little homogenous community and they, they interacted, of course they did commerce and everything, but they mostly kept to the people like themselves. The city had much less crime at that point. Now it's just this chaos ridden, I mean, basically a peachtree dish for Global Homo. I remember when I was a kid, Buffalo was a lot like that. The West side was Italian. The North side was Jewish and the East side was Polish, et cetera, et cetera. And the liberals hate that. Balkanization, they call it. And I thought, you know, it was just great to go to the West side, eat at an Italian restaurant, kind of walk around and just immerse yourself in that. And that's all gone now. Well, you know, and I said that like New York City was a pastry dish for Globo Homo. Really in Manhattan, it's really not. It's a bunch of rich white people who want to push their values on you and they don't share my values. You know, we don't have the same values. There are values are opposite in many cases. And a lot of them are politically active, politically powerful, or have a lot of influence, work in the media, work on Wall Street, Wall Street, which everybody thinks is like this Republican haven where it's like this completely Democrat up and down and everything. And it just has to get smaller. If you want more liberty, you have to make your polities smaller and you have to be around people who share your values. It's really what I believe. Well, let's leave it there. That's great advice. I think running for Congress is going to do no good in the world. You elect a friendly sheriff and you're going to be freer. Uh, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Where can people find more of your work and find your podcast? Any podcatcher, you know, Apple, whatever. I'm everywhere. It's the Picanino show. I'm still on YouTube. So I have a YouTube channel. I'm on Odyssey as well. I back everything up on Odyssey and I have a sub stack, of course. I've had it for almost two years now. So I'm like, I'm one of the originals. I know everybody has a Substack now, which is called By Any Memes Necessary. It's pequeñones.substack.com. And um, on Twitter, I am at Mance Raymond. That's actually a, a pretty good joke for people who've been following me for a long time. It, it makes them chuckle a little bit. And uh, yeah, that's about it. You know, the Pequeñones show, if you show up there, if you listen, you'll hear everything else that uh, that I do. 
Okay, I'll link to all of that and let's see where things go. We're certainly going to see a lot of changes, I think, in the so-called world order over the next few years. And hopefully we'll come out a little freer on the other side. Hopefully no one drops a nuke in the meantime. Right. Yeah, right. (laughs) Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Okay, friends, that's going to do it for today. If you haven't already, don't forget to download a free copy of my new ebook, It's the Fed Stupid, at itsthefedstupid.com. And if you like the music you've heard on Tom Mullen Talks Freedom, you can hear more at tommullensings.com. Thanks for listening. The war of ideas has only just begun. Arm yourself with the knowledge you need by heading to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com and subscribing to our email list. And remember, every revolution starts in the minds of the people.